So it was a Wednesday afternoon, probably around, well, technically it's probably still morning at this point um, because we always had our sales meetings that started at 1130, which was the same time I normally start, start my shift. Usually I start at 1130 and I close for sales, um, which is traditional for the newest salesperson on the team. Um, usually the new guy works the latest, um, which is cool for me because I always have like an extra hour after everybody's gone to collect any of the walk-in traffic that's trying to sneak in and get away with having a free guest pass because they know salespeople don't stay that late. Um, but I do. So anyway, it's worked out for me so far. And not only has that worked out for me so far, but sales in general has worked out for me. Like to my surprise, and I feel like to everybody else's surprise, I feel like even though they were supportive, even though I had James's support and James really believed in me and me and Tony got along really well, the sales manager, but like the other sales guys, other people who worked at the club, nobody really expected, you know, shy Brooks to make it. Nobody expected me to really, usually the sales guys are more like louder and boisterous and outgoing and I'm outgoing in my own ways. Um, but I don't think they really expected me to, to do what I did, but I've always had a philosophy. Like when I started, when I started working there, I started in housekeeping and I would outwork everybody. The moment I punched in on the clock, even before that, but the moment I punched in on the clock, I was working my ass off while other people were goofing around and hanging out. I was working. Same thing when I got to front desk. I was always working, always finding extra stuff to do. It's just how I roll. Um, And then when it came to sales, sales has a lot of downtime, but it's downtime that you make yourself and it's your business that you're running at the end of the day and you get out of it what you put into it. The thing that's really cool about sales is that I'm making more money because of my effort because of my skills, abilities, and the effort that I'm putting into it. For the first time in a career, in a job, I should say, I'm actually, it's actually paying off. Um, And it's cool. But I clock in and I start making phone calls and I start trying to generate business. And not only that, because I worked housekeeping, because I worked front desk. And because I spent so much time not only working hard and the members see me work so hard, but now they see me in the sales position and they recognize me as that kid that used to scrub the toilets and re-rack the free weight room. They like seeing that. They like seeing my success. And because I was so friendly with them at the time and I talked to everybody and I know pretty much everybody that walks through my doors, they treated me with a lot of respect and they brought family members and friends to see me. So I was getting a lot of business from people that I already knew who I had worked around and as well as, you know, cold calling people or following up on old leads that nobody wanted to touch anymore. So anyway, sales was going so good for me. I remember my first full month on the job being in a sales meeting and looking up and I was leading the region in new member sales And it was crazy. Everybody just kind of gasped. Everybody was just like, what? Like this kid? And it's like, I guess so. And it's not like I was doing anything super special. I had my history with the members to back me up and I had my hard work to back me up. Um, And it was working out so much to the point where I would go and work out at other clubs. 
um, on my off time and I just needed to get away from my club for a while, I would go to some of the other clubs and people would check in and be like, oh, you're so-and-so. It was weird having people, knowing that people were having conversations about me who I had never met. And it was weird that they had like a relationship, an idea, an idea of who I was. And I think because sales team members tended to be kind of boisterous, kind of, I'm trying to avoid more of the negative connotations, but there is kind of a negative connotation that goes along with it, kind of being a dick, if you will. Um, when they met me, they would just be like, oh, you're not who I thought you were going to be. And I used to get that. And I would get that a lot. Um, and I liked, I kind of liked it. I kind of liked proving people wrong. It felt good, you know? Um, but yeah, so anyway, we're in this sales meeting today. And it's our, it's my, my first um, quarterly sales meeting, which is like a company-wide thing where all the salespeople get on a call. Um, and James is there in office and we're all Zoom calling throughout the company. And I get my first sales award. It was like a breakout star sales award performance. And it was cool. Like, it was really, really nice. And Michael looks over at me and he says, good job. And I say, thank you. Everybody knows Michael's an asshole, right? <laughs> um, but when he smiled at me, it was a knowing smile. Like, we had become, we had become decently close. Only thing is, is when he gave me that smile, James was watching and I saw the look of shock and hurt on James's face. And I was like, oh boy. So the sales meeting breaks. I go back to my desk and I'm working a little bit, making a couple phone calls, waiting for everybody to get out of James's office so I can go talk to him. And I do. I go in and I walk in, he's not even acknowledging that I'm there. He's typing away on his old computer, doing God knows what, I don't know what he's doing. And I sit down in the same seat that I sat down when he confronted me about Miguel a long time ago. I sit down in the same seat. He's sitting in the same seat. He's facing his computer. I'm facing him. And he's just typing away at some incredibly important email, I guess. Um... And I say to him, I hope you're not mad. And he says, while facing the computer, why would I be mad? I'm just like, bro, cut the bullshit. Like, cut the bullshit. Like, I know you feel a type of way about what you think you saw. And he's like, no, dude, you're cool. It's not like we're a couple or anything. And I said, yeah, we're not a couple. And I don't know why I'm getting upset at this point. Like, we're not a thing. I don't know why he's getting upset. We're not a thing. But the anger's rising in my voice with his dismissal of me. Like, he won't even look at me, and I know that he's upset. And I'm just like, fine, dude, whatever. I get up, I push my chair in, and I walk away. And as I'm about to go out the door, he says, you know, you can get a reputation around here. Everybody talks. What he is suggesting about everybody talks really got under my skin. And I shot back, 
well, nobody's talking about you and me, right? And it's not like I'm fucking my boss anymore, right? And it doesn't have anything to say to that. I'm more heated than I'm wanting to own up to. Some Somehow, somehow, what he's saying to me has really started to bother me. And I think part of the reason why it bothered me, honestly, is because I did feel a little bit guilty about, I mean, we're not a couple, but I still felt guilty about not cheating, but just not, not being, not being there for James. But when I thought about it, it's like, what does being there for James mean? Sharing him with Samantha? Not getting 100% him? Having to hide? He can just use me, use my bed, use my dick whenever he wants. And he has gone back to the outward lifestyle that he's always he's always had and it wasn't fair it wasn't fair you know what i mean it's funny cuz i'm saying this but it's like did i even want more i know who i wanted and it wasn't james So what did I want from him? What did I want from any of these guys? That's not the only thing that pissed me off, though. Just like the the insinuation or the entitlement to my time, my attention, my body. It's a no for me, dude. Like, it's a no, and I'm not going to let you get away with it. So I kind of snapped a little bit. But also, too, I know my baby. I know my baby boy, and I know what he's feeling. And I can't be angry with him about it. So I sit back down. I take a couple of breaths, and I say, James, let's get real here. You're mad, not because you want to be with me. You're mad because you want to have me. You want to have Samantha, you want to have me, and you don't want people to say shit about it. You want me on your own terms. And as much as I enjoy you, and as much as I really do care about you, It's just not going to work like that. I could see him starting to tear up a little bit. He's still facing his computer, but he takes off his glasses and he wipes his eyes. And he looks at me. God, sometimes I forget how much I really care about him. And he looks at me with kind of a sad smile, and he says, I know. You're right, I know. And I reach my hand out to touch his on the desk. And I say, I love you, James. And I care about you. I feel like more than, more than you know. And he nods his head, he says, me too. And I know he he felt what I meant when I said I love you. Not in necessarily the romantic way. But me and James had grown so close. He was like... He was like a friend. And like I said before, just like when he told me... Just like when he told me 
that he was getting a promotion, I felt this sense that like I was going to lose him and not like as a lover, but as like a friend. And I was, it scared me. And I know that the idea of me being with other people scares him in that way. In many ways, we were kind of security blankets for one another. I was getting over Miguel. He was finding himself. And we were both just lost, scared little boys, you know? And I was afraid to give up that comfort. And so was he. So when I told him I loved him, I know he felt me because I know he feels the exact same way. Me and Michael were different. We were not James level of close. We were just more like buddies. After the night, so this is kind of skipping back like a month, um, right, after, right after the night when he sucked me in the office, um, and then we showered afterward, we, went, we, we started hanging out. He would, we would go bowling. Um, we would go out to eat. Nothing, we wouldn't even talk about like what we did, except for, you know, in between all that bowling and laughing and beers and all of that stuff. You know, there would just be little moments where his his eyes would lock on me and he would just kind of stare me down and then like glance down and glance back up. Kind of like, I don't know if he could, I don't know if he knew how obvious it was that he was like checking me out, but I would catch him doing that from time to time. There'd just be like these little breaks in the conversation where those little moments would shine through. And I remember this one particular night, we had gone out to some restaurant. And he was taking extra shots. And I was like, oh, gosh. Like, I know what this means. Like, he's trying to, he's, he's looking for the alcohol alibi. Like, he's trying to blame it on the alcohol. And so, like, if things are awkward or if he feels awkward about it, he can be like, oh, I don't remember that happened. You know what I mean? I know, I, I know this game. And I know that eventually he's going to come on to me and he's going to want to fuck. And it happened um, as I was taking him home in the car. He climbs on top of me and he just starts kissing me when we're parked in front of his apartment and he's kissing me and he starts unbuttoning my pants and he's like grabbing my hands and he's putting them back on his so that I can feel his ass. And I'm just like, I tell him like, dude, you're very drunk. I don't want to do this with you right now. Essentially, that's what I said. I think I was a little nicer about it. Um, And he got really embarrassed and he just left. The next day, he didn't talk to me like at all until the nighttime. And it was about, it was about probably like 10 minutes before he was scheduled to leave. So the club is still not, it's not, it hasn't gotten super quiet. And I know I see him packing up his 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 gym bag and stuff, and he's getting ready to head out the door um, after spending the whole day not talking to me. Um, and I go over to him and I say, "Hey." I lightly tap on Michael's door frame and I say, "Hey, Mike, can I come in?" And he's like, um, "I'm kind of busy." And I'm looking at him. I'm like, "You're not busy." So I go in and I sit down, and um, he proceeds to do whatever it is that he's doing. And I say, about last night, dude, like, I don't want you to feel like, and he said, I don't remember what happened last night. I was too drunk. <laughs> and I was like, bro, cut the bullshit. Like, 
I told him, it's not that I didn't want you. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want you to be intoxicated your first time. And I didn't want you to be confused as to whether or not you were enjoying it. I said something like that. And he was just kind of listening. And I said, it looks like you're busy. Probably going to go work out. He had his gym bag um, in hand and he was about to walk away. And I said, why don't you come see me when you're done? You can help me out with um, recording my sales numbers. I'm still having difficulty getting it completely accurate. And he was like, yeah, I'll help you. It was, it was, that was total BS. Like I, I can do the sales numbers, um, the end of day closing. Um, and he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll come back by and help. And an hour later he does after he's worked out and his, his shirt is like sticking to his silk sweat body. And it just, gosh, he's so good to look at. Um, he's like, so about those numbers, I was like, oh, I finished it. I'm good. I said, it looks like you need to shower. And then he gave me kind of that dangerous little mm-hmm. smile. And he was like, yeah, I think I do. He heads over to the shower. I go clock out and I go and I head in the shower after him. I find him in the last stall, hard and ready to go. And we get right back to it, just deep kissing. And gosh, he's a lot of fun. Eventually, I start kissing him on the neck and getting him really open. And I have my hand kind of loosening him up a little bit. And I go ahead and I start to stick it in. I clamp my hands around his mouth because he starts to make a lot of noise that the the sprinkling of the shower isn't going to drown out. So um, I'm trying to keep him quiet. And eventually I get the tip in. And he is making a lot of noise. And I start finally getting it all in to where I can kind of thrust back and forth. And he's being quiet, but at the same time, I can tell, like, he is so tight. Like, he is so, so tight. Um, And I say, Mike, he said, yeah. (laughs) I said, Mike, do you want to, like, get out of here and maybe, like, go back to your place? He's like, sure. So we put our clothes back on and we take off and we go back to his place. And I finally get him spread out and open and I start to eat him out. And he is really liking it a lot. Like his legs are shaking and he is moaning and gosh, it's so nice. And I finally get back inside him and I'm able to like really kind of deep pound him out. He's getting wild and crazy with it too. Like he's bouncing his ass up and down. He's like pushing back into me and he's like saying things like, yeah, girls must love that shit, huh? They love that big dick, huh? He's like, fuck me like that. And like, he's like, he's like really getting into this. We're going at it for a good hour, I would say. Eventually, we finish each other off in a 69 and it's intense and gosh, can this guy come? Like, oh my God, like, This guy, like, forget, I'm going to nickname him the milkman. Like, this guy can blow a load for sure. Anyway, I remember holding him in my arms. And I remember caressing him, caressing his back. We were facing each other. And I was caressing his back. I was just looking at him. And have you ever, have you ever known somebody? And remember when you first met them? 
and how, what your first impression was of them. And maybe this impression lasted for as long as it took you to really get to know them. And suddenly in your memory, they don't look like the same person anymore. Like that's what I was looking at when I was staring at Michael. And I asked him, dude, why are you such a dick? And he laughed and he said, what do you mean? I said, the way that you act at work, like, this is not who you are. You're a really cool guy and you're a really fun person. And like, I didn't say this, but like, he's so, he's actually, he's actually a real sweetheart. And he looked at me in all seriousness and said, because when you're a dick, people don't hurt you. And that took me, like that really like it pierced me because in a way I was seeing the hurt on his face when he said that and knowing where that hurt comes from. And I started to think about James and I just, it was, it's, it made so much sense to me. I never expected Michael, somebody who I had judged for being such an asshole, to be so relatable, to be so much like me. Suddenly I was bothered and I needed to leave. Um, I held him until he fell asleep. And then I got up, I got my stuff, I gave him a kiss on the cheek and I tucked him in. And I left. No sooner than when I got home, I pulled out my phone and I got a text from Miguel. And it said, I need you. Fuck.